When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Carl's here. So um, there was trouble last night in Los Angeles. There was a Violent screening, trouble. Uh, a screening of a movie um, at the Museum of Tolerance in West Los Angeles, um, courtesy of Gal Gadot, who wanted to show video of what happened on October 7th, and it did not go off without violence. Right. We told you that Gal and Guy Nativ, the director, um, had put together this reel of really grisly footage from October 7th, from the aftermath of October 7th, and what happened when Hamas terrorists went into Israel and slaughtered thousands of people and took hundreds of hostages. The intent of this, as we talked about yesterday, the intent is clearly, it was a select group of people there to watch this screening. But what happened outside um, was just absolute chaos and violence um, because there were protesters who showed up. We told you that there were people who felt that this, if you're gonna show this, this footage, you should also show what is happening in Gaza. And they came to protest that, and there were people who were there very passionately supporting Israel, people who were passionately supporting the civilians of Gaza, and this is what it turned into. Wrestling, punches, people being kicked. Uh, it was ugly. Really ugly. And, you know, it just underscores that we are literally sitting on a powder keg in this country. We were on a powder keg for other reasons before, before this, happened. this happened. And this has just amped things up, I feel. And obviously it has. Yeah, I mean, this is just a really, really ugly scene. And it took place, by the way, at the Museum of Tolerance, which is a Holocaust uh, museum, a very prominent one in Los Angeles. It's really sad to see this kind of violence outbreak uh, at a place like that, which is a very somber, solemn place uh, for obvious reasons reasons. And, you know, it is. It's just a sign of where we are in this in this country and where we are around the world. This is in the a world, yeah. volatile and, you know, time. And we should say, I mean, look, the reason Gal Gadot was yeah, there's someone this. was a spraying mace. Did you see that? There, there's someone just took out. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, the reason Gal Gadot wanted to show this was, look, there has been a, you know, th there's been a public perception by many um, that um, this is not about October 7th. This is about a long-standing, century-old land war, and that Gal Gadot wanted to put the focus back on October 7th to show this is what kind of unleashed the series of events that Hamas created. And yet, you have these demonstrations and violence outside the Museum of Tolerance because they didn't clearly didn't want there this people, shown. Yeah, and there are people who disagree with her, who came to voice their opinion outside. And you know, as we've said for several weeks now, that's to be expected, and, and it should happen, but it should happen peacefully. And that's not where we are now, and that's... Um... I, I want to tell you something I was thinking about on the way in today. Um, that, look, I mean, there is, there is the anti-Semitism in this country that has now just kind of... Not, I don't think it's been created by this. I think it's just there's permission in... to express it right. in a way that I haven't seen in my lifetime. 
You know what I thought about today? Because, you know, yesterday was our 18th anniversary for TMZ. Right. And our first really big story was Mel, Mel Gibson, Gibson with the anti-Semitic yep. rant. He would just be like another protester today saying things like what he said. You know, the Jews are responsible right. for all the wars in the world. F the Jews. I mean, those are things you're hearing on the street by a million protesters. That Mel Gibson story, that was such a huge story back then, he's is just chanting mild. what you're hearing in the streets. mild what you're hearing. I yeah. mean, it would be, okay, well, Mel Gibson's on that side, and nobody would say anything, it would seem. Yeah. It's just uh, it crazy. Is, um... It's a scary point that we've gotten to uh, where it, just a simple screening of something, and granted, it is a very charged uh, topic, but that there is this kind of violence that, as you can see, spread for blocks around the museum. Um, but think about it. What is the protest? The protest is we want to show you how this started. Well, because Gal is, uh, you're right, Gal and, and Guy Nativ are they're, they're showing this um, one, I, I agree with you that part of it is to turn the public narrative, right? But also, and that's the reason that there was a select group of Hollywood uh, power players who were seeing this, is to drum up more support for U.S. support, the U.S. to support Israel's battle, right? That's fair. Right, that to say are, that they want, one, fair. to donate money, two, to lean on politicians to say, make sure that we continue to give money to Israel. That's what this is really about. And obviously there are a lot of people who disagree. We know that there are a lot of people That's who disagree with that. Hey you guys, this is Adarius from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, anytime we talk about this topic, it's kind of sensitive, you know, to everybody involved, but this war has been going on for like 73 years. So anytime it's dealing with religion, you know, things get crowded and a little cloudy. But um, yeah, I just feel like everything is just supposed to be peaceful and it's just upsetting that everybody had to resort to violence at the um, screening in LA. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna move on, but I gotta tell you something. Between what's going on with this, what's going on with politics, the election and mm -hmm. all, we yeah, are- in the next year. We are at a, a crisis point. Very dangerous crossroads. Okay, we're, we're gonna move on. Yes, uh, to the CMAs last night, uh, big shift here. Um, but uh, there was a moment right at the start of the show that has a lot of people concerned about Winona Judd. She came out to perform. She was sort of the surprise performer to join Jelly Roll on stage when he was performing his big hit. Um, and when she came out from right from the get-go, it's the way she came out. She took very small, slow steps. And, and then once she got next to Jelly Roll, onto him. yeah, was holding him. Now, so here is part of the performance. She's gonna, she sounds amazing but you can see why people were concerned. So see how she's not moving at all from his side. And, and she and her face and is kind of frozen as you kind of look at this. So it felt like something was going on there. And as people were watching uh, live, there were just, you know, I mean, it was trending. Uh, people were tweeting immediately she's saying- She's just grabbing onto him. Yeah, what's wrong with Wynonna? Is she okay? Um, she finished the performance. And this morning, clearly she saw all of those comments uh, and felt she needed to address it. 
Um, she is, it looks like she said she's on her way to another performance. She's performing tonight in Texas, I believe. Um, and this is what she had to say. This is her explanation for what clearly was a disturbing performance to a lot of her fans. I'm just gonna come clean with y'all. I was so freaking nervous. I got out there and I looked at Jelly Roll. I wanted it to be so good for him. I could cry right now, but I'm not going to because I'm such a fan of his and he asked me to sing. And I said, absolutely. I got out there and I was so nervous that I just held on for dear life. I'll be on stage tomorrow night with the people I love the most. And with you, the fans I love the most, and all is well. I don't know, it's just kind of hard to believe that somebody who's been such a huge star for 40 plus years would be that nervous. And that usually you don't think of nerves as manifesting themselves as being like unsteady on your feet. Like she looked like she was bracing herself the way she was holding on to him. Yet, when you listen to her explanation this morning, she sounded fine, right? She sounds great. And she said she has a show tonight. Like she's got a tour going on right now. And I'm sure if she's nervous, she should be tonight because as soon as she hits the stage, everyone's going to have their phones out to see how does she look? How is she performing? Is she, does she seem confident and like steady? Yeah. And you know, it's, it, it is true. I mean, she has been performing for so long, both as a duo. Why, as a why, would, why would she suddenly have nerves yeah. that, that uh, made her so un at least seemingly unstable? It doesn't add up, and you just hope that she's. I hope she's, she's fine actually today, okay. Because she is honestly, she is one of the great performers of my you know, lifetime. You just, you just missed her. I actually saw her, what a month, a uh, month or so ago. She was at the uh, Beach Life Ranch Festival. The one, the in, same one in uh, in Redondo that was when. That's like Woodstock. I mean, you every Winona week you was tell there. me about somebody who's. Yeah, who uh, the, John, John Fogarty was John there. John Fogarty was there. Holy yeah, you missed smokes. A, you missed a good show. Well, man. if you would have told me. <laughs> Hi, this is Calvin from Youngstown, Ohio. I saw the performance, and my girl did have a death grip on Jelly Roll. Um, the song is Need a Favor. Maybe she needed a favor. Hold me up. Um, but she sounded great. And even if there was something going on, she pushed through, and she gave a great performance. But I guess only time will tell if something's really going on, or maybe it was just nerves. Well, we'll know tonight. We will know tonight how she's doing, but she sounded good today. Yeah, I hope everything's good. Just when you think that you know everything there is to know about the Kardashians because they basically live their lives in front of cameras. And it's pretty much shown every body part. Right. <laughs> um, we've learned something new about Kim Kardashian. She once said she would never get a tattoo. Um, but it turns out she actually did get one. And I guess the the... The point of it for her is that she wouldn't, she still wouldn't get one someplace that people could see it. But she did reveal uh, last night on the Kardashians where she got this tattoo and when. It so was, it was a celebration. Think about it just for 10 seconds. Where do you think Kim Kardashian would get a tattoo That's that would not be easily seen, given the fact that she often and, wears things that right, show so it can't much be in her, her body? Can't be in her torso. Right. Anyway. So where right. would you get that tattoo? Well, she wears bikinis, and so you can't get can't it. Do it there. Can't do it on your legs nope. or anything. Nope. So where would you do that? You guys, something you don't know about me. <gasps> what yeah, does it say? it's a infinity song. When did you do that? The night of SNL, when I hosted SNL, me and all my friends got matching tattoos, and everyone got them on their hands. Oh and I was so like, "There's hot. not a shot I will get a tattoo." Doesn't hurt, Kevin. Doesn't hurt. Nothing? Yeah. Look at her hands. <laughs> no, you gotta get into the legs. 
<laughs> but I finally put a bumper sticker oh, on the Nelly. That was a uh, that was how she the metaphor she used when she said she would never get a tattoo. It's so, so you, it, you don't put a bumper sticker on a Bentley. You know what's really funny about it though? It's like of course there were cameras when she got the tattoo. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And they just sat on that footage and are like, yep. Which episode will Which this episode be next does season? This go? And exactly. Right. That's, right. Just what I was That's saying. how they storyboard it out. All right. What have you guys shot for the last six months? And then they storyboard out their episodes. Right. But you guys, a lot of Kardashian fans are already kind of coming for Kim because she's been accused in the past of copying her other sisters. Remember, there was that whole blow up, blow up fight between her and Courtney over the Dolce and Gabbana stuff, where Courtney had that for her wedding, and then Kim took it over and did a campaign. Well, you know who already did this in her family? Kendall mm, Jenner. Kendall. Kendall already got a tattoo in the same spot inside of her lip, which I think said meow. And she had debuted <laughs> on like the Ellen DeGeneres show. So a lot of people are like, oh, here's meow. Kim again, copying her sisters. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, this is a little it's a little cheesy. So I don't even know if it's worth talking about. But. Well, <laughs> uh, you're right. The An sisters will probably sign. talk about it. Can I and the sisters probably knew. Okay, enough about, couldn't talk about it. enough about tattoos. We're going to move on. But before we do, I just have to tell you, there's this story out with Priscilla Presley that I found just really interesting. That oh, involving the Kardashians. Involving right. the Kardashians. That Robert Kardashian, who was Kim's dad, um, who passed away, uh, and a friend of mine, by the mm -hmm. way, um, was um, apparently enamored of Priscilla, Priscilla. And, and Priscilla, wanted to marry her. And Priscilla was into it. Priscilla, the story is, Priscilla is the one telling the story. Um, and said that the only reason they didn't um, seal the deal is because of Elvis, that he was uh, jealous. And and by the and way, controlling. that would mean that Kim Kardashian would then have an Elvis connection. Wow. Hey, this is Raven calling in from Dallas, Texas. And first and foremost, kudos to Kim because she sat there. She didn't squirm, anything like that. Got this tattoo on her lip. I'm just curious, is that because it's fat, like the fatty part? She didn't feel it because Lala's holding her legs like, come on, girl, you got this. And Kim was just like, oh, okay, it tickles. I, I, like, I love it. I've squirmed for every tattoo I have, so I love it. I can't even imagine what that must have felt I, like. The fact that she but said it wasn't painful. Oh, come on. I can't. Okay, no. we're moving on. Yes, uh, to last night's Republican debate. Did you watch it? Uh, I did not. I did. Yeah, and uh, but I did see this clip because there were some fireworks between two people in particular, uh, and that would be Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy, um, who clearly decided he was going to go after lots of people, but in particular, he went after Nikki. the moderators at the beginning. Right, of this right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, but this moment here where he calls out uh, Nikki Haley, seemingly at least the entry to it was TikTok, but I think he just wanted to take a shot at her. Uh, and here's how she fired back, too. I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy scum. answer is actually to say that we're just going to ban one app. We got to go further. I, well, she called him scum. Wow. But she blew the line. She blew the line. She blew the line. She could have channeled Will Smith, but she missed it at the end. And she clearly was prepared, and she, I'm sure, had the line locked and loaded, but 
Oh, when you don't stick the landing. Well, well, let's talk about Vivek for a second. Last night before the debate, he spoke to reporters and said that he promised to be unhinged, and clearly he was just that. In addition to the shot on Nikki Haley's daughter, he also called her Dick Cheney in three-inch heels. Uh, he was just going after her, and I feel like it's uh, it's a calculated move. What I was curious about is why he was deciding to hone in on Nikki Haley and not Ron DeSantis, who was standing in the middle of the stage. Hey, this is Dennis Consorte from Bayside, Queens. Whatever you think of Vivek, he is an amazing marketer, and he's right. Every steak needs sizzle. And if they replace those moderators, they'll more than double the audience from last night. Look, I'm a libertarian. We serve our steak cold because we're ideologues. That's not who Vivek is. He's a populist. He wants to win. And if the RNC wants to win, they'll support his idea. Because the truth is that with these indictments, Trump isn't going to get ballot access in all 50 states, and the only way they win is by replacing him. And whoever replaces yeah. him is going to need a whole lot of sizzle to drive people to the polls. Yeah, good luck on that, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's so far ahead. By the way, um, you know who advertised on every commercial break? Who? Oh. TikTok. Wow. Interesting, huh? Wow, we've been talking about that. Well, after 118 days of work stoppage, uh, the strike is finally over in Hollywood. The SAG-AFTRA uh, strike, they reached an agreement, uh, a tentative agreement with the studios, um, a three-year deal. Um, now, it's still, I think, it officially has to be ratified right, right. by the, right. uh, the brass this, union. But it's going to be ratified. It's going to be ratified, and um, people can get back to work. It has been a really... Um, painful time for a lot of people in Hollywood who are struggling. And of course, we're not talking about, um, you know, the A-list stars that, you know, obviously they are comfortable and they've been fine, but they've been out there on the picket lines um, making sure that uh, they get a good deal. And this had a huge rippling effect where it wasn't just actors who were affected by right. this. I mean, this went to so the crews. businesses that are yep. connected and all. So it's a big big deal that yes. this has been settled. So uh, is whenever you have a strike and it finally ends, the, everybody wants to take score, right? You want to check the scoreboard. Who really won here? Did the actors get enough of what they were holding out for? So joining us right now to talk about that is the president of the SAG-AFTRA LA local chapter, Jody Long. And Jody, welcome to TMZ Live and congratulations. Congratulations, Jody. Thank you. It was quite a long haul, I must say. And Absolutely. Uh, delighted. So um, the studio came back with its last and final offer. Um, did that get negotiated to your benefit uh, before reaching this tentative agreement? No. So right, it was because they had rejected that last and final. And actually, I, I, Jody, I remember when I, I read that headline, that you'd rejected it, I thought, all right, well, this is gonna go on much, much longer. But really, it seemed like the fact that you guys rejected that might have been the thing that turned this around. Well, they hadn't uh, addressed uh, a final piece of it, which was AI to our satisfaction. And, um, and Frant wanted some more with our bonus package. And so uh, we did go back. And it was even to the last day um, there were some people in our room that weren't sure about our AI package, myself included. And so um, in the last minute, there was a lot of prayers going on <laughs> and no, really reaching out to the universe for um, 
And it came through in the last minute. And I was so delighted. Well, I read this part about the, the studios wanting to be able to capture an actor's um, face and then use that, even an actor who has passed away, and use their face, I guess, whenever they want. Um, how did that get settled? What's, what's the final deal there um, as far as AI and what they can and can't do with actors? Well, I've been scanned three times on movies. And they never asked for my consent. I never even knew I was getting scanned until I was on the set. Wow. And so when you're having a digital scan, you're in a, you're in a huge cage-like booth, and there's cameras, and they kind of they take every angle, not just of your face, but of your whole body, so that you can interact with a CGI character if they need your arm or whatever it is, right? And we never had consent. And now with this contract, we will have, you will have to get the actor's consent and you'll have to pay them for it. What about residuals for streaming? Um, that was a huge issue for, for you folks. Um, are you satisfied with what you got? And is it something where that money is meaningful for people, you know, down the road, two, three, four years after they actually do the project? Yes, we got huge advances for SVOD and for, you know, foreign uh, residuals. So I'm really happy about that. I think it's going to, you know, be um, hopefully people will be able to get their health insurance now, you know, because yeah. residuals is really the lifeblood because actors don't work all the time. Right. We're we're um, freelancers. So when you're not working, those residuals come in, they help. And network TV has always been so great about that. And because the streaming platforms have taken over, there's been very little residuals for actors. So there's been a lot of improvement on that. And I'm delighted for that, really. I got to say, I was reading this morning um, that there are people comparing Fran Drescher now to Norma Ray. Um, this really was quite a surprise for the common person who thinks of her as the nanny that she became this fierce union leader. Well, you know, she's a girl from Queens. <laughs> she doesn't, you know, she doesn't put up with a lot of guff. <laughs> so, um, no, really, I'm being serious. She, you know, she comes from a working class background, my, myself included, and we've worked in this business for a long time. And it's time for people to have some respect for what all our members do. And that's what we're about. Well, congratulations. Congrats. We're happy to see everyone get back to work, um, and uh, I'm glad that you are happy with what you uh, guys got in the deal. Thank you so much for being with us, Jody. Thank you, Jody. Bye. Bye. You know, what I was thinking, there are going to be a lot of, um, a lot of nannies, and housekeepers, people, what, things that actors were doing for the last hundred and something days uh, to make ends meet, that now they get to go back to, get to, go back to acting. What, to their craft. Yes. I think this is the probably the question that has gone through your head more over the last 60 years than any other question. I imagine that you think this at least once a day. The question is, who killed, who killed JFK? Kenny. Absolutely. Right. Um, and that is the title of a new podcast uh, that just launched this week uh, as we approach the 60th anniversary of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Um, and... It is amazing to think that 60 years later, there are still 
so many questions, and a lot of people feel that question has not been answered. Two of those people uh, who are exploring the truth about what happened that day in Dallas uh, are Soledad O'Brien, who we've had on the show many times, um, and Rob Reiner, who we have not had on the show, but uh, we are really excited to talk to him, uh, both of them, about this podcast that they just launched. It is a uh, weekly podcast, 10-part series, and there is new information still coming out about this, and they are digging deep into it. So without further ado, we welcome Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien uh, to TMZ Live. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, well, thanks for, thanks for yeah, having thanks us. For, yeah, thank you. It is a an honor, and honestly, I, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. It's something I have been obsessed with for many, many years. So look, there have been a lot of theories that Oswald did it alone, that the CIA was involved because the CIA was pissed off that Kennedy was trying to dismantle it. There are theories about the Fair Play for Cuba um, movement that Oswald was associated with. Um, there are other theories as well. Are you guys, are, have you gravitated to any one of these in your podcast? Yeah, well, I think what we do, and, you know, this has been an obsession of mine, uh, you know, for 60 years. I was 16 when it happened. And what I have learned over the course of 60 years and reading everything I could get my hands on, talking to forensic experts, visiting Dealey Plaza, doing as much studying as I could, I have now, it, in my mind, put together what I think happened on that day based on all the evidence that, that has been made available. And I'm really fortunate that Soledad was willing to do this with me because uh, it, it deserves, people have a right to know what happened that day. And I think when they listen to this podcast over the 10 weeks uh, that we that we have, they will get the sense of exactly what happened. I am 100% sure that it was a conspiracy. But in the podcast, we lay out very specifically how it was done, who was involved, who the shooters were, where they were positioned, and we get into all of that. So, who, who, so right away, so right, right, right the off the bat, you said were? you said oh, shooters. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. You said shooters. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. that Episode first nine, thing people, you said, Zoe. You have so, to wait for details. You have well, to wait. No, we will but, not but, give it away. But wait a minute. But you're identifying actual individuals who you say Naming were involved? names. Yes. Wow. Yes. I think there's two sets of people, right? There's people like you, Harvey, and Rob, who are obsessed with this. And I was born after the assassination. Everything I know, I learned in high school, basically, right? Lee Harvey Oswald, lone gunman. You know, single bullet theory, done and done. And so I'm so interested in like, one, the obsession and why. Why have we not gotten all that information over 60 years? And then also, what happened to Americans who I think for you guys who are obsessed is moment that really changed how you believed in the honesty of the American government and things like that. And it did happen at a time when Kennedy was moving away as a cold warrior to a posture of peace and wanting to find a way to have peace in the world. He was talking about moving us out of Vietnam. He was back channeling to Khrushchev and Castro and trying to create a peaceful world. And then the next thing you know, he's assassinated. 
uh, uh, Johnson takes over and we go full bore into Vietnam. So people of my age were saying, well, wait a minute, what what happened here? Uh, and it created a tremendous divide in the country, which we have not recovered from since. Rob, you, you gave away something for me. Um, I, 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 the way you just described this, I am fascinated because you're talking about the military industrial complex right now. We're talking, you know, when you when you see the podcast, we're not talking about the uh, the total institution of that. We're talking about rogue elements of uh, CIA, of hardliners in the military. These are the people that were very upset with Kennedy for selling uh, in their minds, selling us out at the Bay of Pigs and then selling us out during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 62. They felt that he was appeasing uh, the communists, and so they were very upset. So there were elements of uh, the hardliners in the military and the CIA that played a role, but uh, we wouldn't say it was done uh, as an institutional uh, uh, operation. We wanted to explore specific individuals. You know, who were they? What were their motivations? What were their philosophies? Why, in some cases, were they given leadership positions when they had been, in fact, fired by President Kennedy? Like, so much doesn't make sense for individual backstories and being able to connect those dots, both for people who are obsessed with what happened and for people who feel like, yeah, I, I kind of know that story. Why are we still talking about it 60 years later? I think we're able to really lay out the story with a lot of clarity while also really underscoring the mystery that still exists. We understand the, the concept of a good promo and teasing something. So you're not gonna name the names here, but it sounds like, can we at least say that you believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy? He was involved, but he was basically a sacrificial lamb. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, that 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 is what we believe. I mean, he did say it. He said, I'm a patsy. And somebody who says they're a patsy, uh, it, it indicates something. You're not saying, I didn't do it. I don't right. know. I, you're saying, I'm a patsy. That means that's a very specific thing you're saying. So he knew, Oswald knew that he was part of something. And he, like many of these operations, we've talked to many CIA uh, agents who tell us how these things are done. It's on a need-to-know basis. Nobody, it's very uh, compartmentalized. So Oswald did play a role. And if you asked him on the day what his what was going to go down, he probably wouldn't be able to tell you. You touched <laughs> on something, though, uh, about the fascination, why the national fascination with this 60 years later, um, and the fact that it this was perhaps the beginning for a lot of people of distrusting the government. And I don't know if you guys get into this or if you explore this, but is there a line from the assassination of Kennedy to where we are today in the divide in the country and millions and millions of people who distrust, tens of millions of people who distrust the government and don't believe what they hear coming out of DC? Yeah, we, made a, yeah. we make a direct line from that. We talk about this specifically as the moment, it, you know, the greatest divide in America obviously was the Civil War. We actually took up arms against each other. But the great political divide started in the 60s when we were lied to, essentially, uh, by the government in the Warren Commission and also in the Gulf of Tonkin 
uh, resolution and, and how we got into Vietnam. So it began that divide, and we haven't uh, come together since. Okay, we are going to um, take a break. We want to come back both with you, Rob, and with Soledad. Um, I want to talk about LBJ. Because yeah, I know Rob's done a movie about LBJ. So um, how what was his involvement with the Warren Commission? Um, well, we know what his involvement is. Was, was it more was sinister? It underhanded. Yeah. We're going to get into that when we come right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to TMZ Live. We are talking to uh, Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien, who... I uh, have a new podcast that is out now called Who Killed JFK? And this is absolutely fascinating. Uh, guys, welcome back. And um, let's let's get into this. So when the Warren Commission was established, I mean, we are talking about the Chief Justice of the United States of America running this commission, but at the behest of Lyndon Johnson. And, you know, listening to what you said a little bit earlier, the Warren Commission ignored certain witnesses. It was clear they wanted to reach the conclusion they reached. I mean, that I have I'm so clear on that. Are you finding evidence or did you find evidence that Lyndon Johnson had some involvement, whether it's pre or post? Um, because clearly, you know, I remember when he got it, the first thing he said is, boy, this is heavy. And I thought, wow, yeah, that's that's yeah. high praise. And, right. <laughs> and 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 you know, Lyndon Johnson and Earl Warren, they had to be somehow involved in suppressing so much of the information and guiding it the way they wanted. Yes. What you, and the, and the, the answer to that is Lyndon Johnson did play a role and we do have evidence. We play it on the podcast. He had he had a role in covering this thing up and making sure that we didn't get too far into the weeds of how this happened. There we have conversations with uh, J. Edgar Hoover that you hear where they talk about putting Alan Dulles as the gatekeeper to the CIA on the commission that he and they talk about limiting uh, investigations that, you know, now that this happened, uh, the the House and the Senate are going to control, they're going to want to have investigations. We have to contain it. We have to make sure. There's also a very famous uh, memo from Nicholas Kazenbach, who was the uh, Deputy Attorney General, talking about how we have to convince the public that Lee Harvey Oswald did this. We cannot uh, we cannot uh, uh, let them doubt that at all. So there's a, a lot of effort put put into uh, containing this and covering this up. So uh, putting Alan Dulles as the gatekeeper, nothing from the CIA and the connection from the CIA to Oswald ever came out uh, during the Warren Commission. And over the years, we found out tons and tons of connections between the CIA and Lee Harvey Oswald. And that's come out over the past 60 years. I think our goal was to really connect the dots, you know, so that people could say, what specifically did the new president say? How does he connect to other people? Why Alan Dulles, who'd been fired 
by the president. I mean, of all the people you would pick to lead an investigation into the assassination of the president, he almost would be at the bottom of the list. And so constantly connecting sort of the dots and highlighting some of the things that just make no sense. This is so fascinating. I'm just curious, how long did you guys work on this? Uh, well, question. I mean, we worked on a it a long. long time, a long, long time. You know, it's 10 episodes and uh, we have two bonus episodes after that. But this is something that I've been, you know, at for, you know, 60 years. I was yeah. 16 <laughs> when I heard it. And, you know, I've been thinking about it for 60 years. Uh, it is um, absolutely fascinating. Who killed JFK? I, I, um, I, I just got to tell you something. I, this, I, I'm I'm I'm. I'm I can't wait to. Harvey's waiting until ne next on, Wednesday. On the, is on the other, <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, I'm I'm kind of upset because I got so obsessed with this. I've, it, it feels like the Godfather to me. Just when I thought I was out, you pulled me back in, and I just like, oh my God, I can't wait for this. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, well, new episodes out every Wednesday. Ten episodes plus. How how do you get the two bonus episodes? By the way, Rob, do we need to? Well, we have. We have other, you know, we have, uh, you know, extra material. And one of them is uh, this guy, Paul Landis. You will hear about him, who is a Secret Service agent who was in the trail car behind Kennedy. He tells his story. You guys, thank you so much for being with us. This is uh, so fascinating. Honor. Cannot wait to listen. We've got, uh, we've got appointment listening now every Wednesday. For I this. can't wait for this. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, Thanks, congratulations guys. on putting this all together. No, no small feat, I'm sure. Thanks, Thanks for having us, yeah. Thank you, guys. I, I gotta say, I have been excited about this interview all week I long. I know you have. I have been so excited about this. This has been pent up for we 60 could, we years. We couldn't tell at all. <laughs> couldn't tell at all. Apologies to Denzel Washington, but um, okay. King Kong oh, ain't I, got I thought you were gonna do blank something. on Jared Leto because he climbed the Empire State Building this morning. Well, not the full Empire State Building. He started fire, like at 86. Final, but look at this. It's about 20 stories he this climbed. This is crazy. He went to the top. At the very top this of the building. This is nuts. Yeah. Nuts. Why in the world would you do this? Now, we know that he's oh an adventure God. seeker, thrill seeker, and that he loves climbing. But to do this. I would die. Even though, and yes, I would. I, I would literally, no, I would die of a heart attack. Right. He had safety ropes, but still, he did it. And all this <sighs> simply to announce that his band, 30 Seconds to Mars, is going out on tour. Well, he got our attention. <laughs> it was very challenging, as you can see. Oh, God, you're <laughs> some, some blood. Ooh, ouch. But, you know, I wanted to, I've always been, had a fascination with the Empire State Building, and I love to climb. Uh, we're launching a, a world tour, 30 Seconds to Mars is back on the road. That's your band. Uh, that's, your, that's my band. You just released and an album. That's right. We just put an album out called It's the End of the World, but it's a beautiful day. So it was in celebration of the tour and, you know, doing those things that you aspire to do. That is nuts. And by the way, once he got to the very top, he actually oh my performed. God. Uh, with one of the band members was up there and they That's had a just, little mini concert, That's which is terrifying crazy. to watch. Oh my God. We, we, so, we, we got to transition here because I, I can't handle this. Yeah. Uh, how in the world 
Is Tim gonna top that? He's not gonna top that. Tim. It is your favorite time of the week. No Tim way, is Tim. here. This is not gonna happen. With his rejects. Tough try. act to follow, Tim. Challenge on. All right, so uh, <laughs> a lot of people are in a rush in the morning. So what better way to maximize your time is to go through a human car wash shower. So this guy created oh a nice little God. setup here. Um, so, All right, you uh, get wet. You get wet, you go through suds. Uh, the suds That's there. there. Where's the scrubbing? The Christmas tree. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. There's the funny. scrubbing. Next up is the scrubbing here. It goes up the body. Uh, <laughs> and then, and, and then, then the towels. This has got to be great. No, but you have to wash off the Oh, you got to rinse. got to rinse. So use the uh, super soakers here uh, to wash off this, uh, <laughs> the soap here. And then uh, next up would be the uh, blow dryers. <laughs> this is to, ridiculous. To get all the... Listen. It's not effective. No one's ever going to do this, well, but, right, but, if you, but it's if, really if, funny to if watch. If your bathroom's 50 yards long, it will work for <laughs> right, you. Yeah, yeah. Right? Kind of okay. Our right. uh, last one. All right, so do you guys ever take candy or sweets and kind of toss it up in the air and try to catch it in your mouth? Oh, a million that. years ago. Yeah, a million years ago. Everyone's I'll done it. Skittle around. So right. this is kind of along the line. So a marshmallow. Oh, God, what? No, what? no way. Okay, that's... Golf ball. Oh, it's a, oh marshmallow. It's a marshmallow. No, it's, a, it's not a golf ball. It's a marshmallow. The, the guy catches Wait, it. Wait, how does a marshmallow end. fly? I don't that, know. That's well, a crazy. a lot of practice, but pretty cool. So I like that one. Yeah. That was a good so, one, Tim. Really good. Good ending. You know how to end well. Yeah. Okay, Tim. I wouldn't think a marshmallow flew like that. That's a good one. I might try that one this week. I like it. That was fun. No swimsuit, no problem. Uh, for Sean Mendez and a woman who appears to be a new romantic connection. You call it girlfriend? Maybe. We don't know if they're at that stage, but they are at the stage where they're on the beach at Malibu and decided, hey, let's uh, do some sunbathing, maybe go in the water. But we don't have swimsuits. Doesn't matter. Just wear your underwear. Is this legal? <laughs> sure. I, I guess, I guess everything's covered. Yeah. So why not? But well, it is just their underwear. This is the woman that we saw him with in those photos right. in West Hollywood the other night. Turns out we now know who she is. Her name is Charlie Travers. She is a uh, singer and a TV personality. So and also enjoys sunbathing in her underwear. So here's what I'm thinking. With Sean. Here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> those are skims or something. It says I know, but Kim's it. gonna make a play for him to go back out again in skims because she's taking over every area of right. life with this thing. So stay tuned next week. <laughs> you Kim, see him in skims? Her skims. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. <laughs>